Hey guys, it's Erin, and thanks for tuning in to Everyday Perspectives with Erin Panzarella. Today's episode is going to be centered around self-love and what that means for me, what kind of practices are involved in my own self-care, and my history with self-love, which is really recent because I never knew what it was prior to five to six years ago and I'm going to speak about why it's so important that we are very proactive in self-love that we have an environment that cultivates that self-love that we act each day with the intention of self-love because it's so transformative and really anything else has baggage attached to it My journey with self-love has been erratic and I never really understood self-love because it's not something that's taught. I didn't know about that concept of self-love. I I knew about self-esteem, body image, which is how I kind of equated everything that if I love my body, then I love myself because I always thought that I was my body. I deeply identified with my body. And I never loved my body. That was never a part of my journey growing up. I always struggled with an image. I was never a skinny kid. I was bigger because my back is pretty broad. And I was never extremely overweight, but I viewed myself that way. And a lot of my self-care practices did revolve around healing that image that I had. On top of my body issues, I also developed a lot of problems with self-love because of my dad passing away 11 days before my fifth birthday because it confirmed this idea that I'm not lovable enough for people to stay around. Because when you're young, you center everything around yourself. You have no other way of perceiving the world except for how it relates to you. And my dad passing away really just instilled this huge belief that everyone's going to leave me because I'm not good enough. And being adopted really fit into that story as well. My mom did a really wonderful job in so many ways, but people are imperfect and she had her own traumas and her own story. And growing up, I just was constantly under the impression that in order to be loved I had to be perfect in order to be worthy of love I could make no mistakes and that carried throughout my entire childhood my preteens my teenage years and my early 20s that I just had this weight of I need to be perfect in order to be lovable that type of mindset just completely invites toxic behaviors. There is really nothing that you do that doesn't stem from this idea that you're not lovable unless you're a certain way. So I had so many experiences later in life that just confirmed over and over again that I'm not perfect and I'm never going to be loved. So I struggled a lot. That struggle translated in a bunch of different ways. Um, My body issues, which I mentioned briefly, was one of them. But I also lied a lot. 
I basically was a hypochondriac and I would lie about small things just for no reason because it was this habit that was ingrained that, oh, I have to lie because if I tell the truth, I'm going to get in trouble. And if I tell the truth, the truth is going to make people not love me. And I just basically became a liar. And that was a hard habit to break because it really just was all centered around self-love and the lack of it. In my early 20s, I developed a severe Adderall addiction because I needed to be skinny and I needed to be able to be the person that other people expected me to be. I had gone to college my first year and I was dating someone for the first time. So it was a new boyfriend. I We had gone together the summer before I went to college. And he was not great. <laughs> we had a lot of problems, but I obviously thought that was love. I thought that possessive behavior was love. I thought that I liked it. I liked that someone wanted me that much that they wanted to protect me and they wanted to be possessive and I was convinced that that's what love was but when I went away to school he was staying at home he was a little older and he was working he wasn't going to school and he would make my life living hell I would go out to parties because I was a freshman and my best friend we were rooming together and her sisters had gone to the college and she knew all the spots and I would go out and he would call me like freaking out at me that I was out and he would call me like yelling at me and screaming and I eventually decided that he's more worthy than I am so I'm just gonna submit to whatever he wants and not do anything. So I really secluded myself and I just completely alienated myself my from my best friend who I was rooming with and then it came time to pledge for sororities and I really wasn't going around to the parties I was like present sometimes but really not but everyone else was doing it so I was like hey why don't I go try out and the one that I had tried out for they actually had no quota because they were an off-campus so they weren't even like an official campus sorority anymore because they had been kicked off and I remember going in for the interview and I was so nervous I had hives when I was talking to them and it was just like so nerve-wracking because I was like I, I didn't think I was good enough to be in it and that mentality I'm sure of it is what caused them to reject me I was not allowed in the sorority even though there was no quota there was no nothing and that completely blew any little bit of self-esteem that I had at that moment into nothing I fell into an extremely deep depression I couldn't get out of bed I didn't want to go to class I didn't want to do anything because I was like I didn't even get into this group that literally could have accepted anyone every single person that tried out for it got in except for me and I was like how is it that I'm not the problem of course I'm the problem they like all these other girls but me like there's got to be something terribly wrong with me so 
my first year at college ended up being a very hard time for me and it did not help that I had a boyfriend at home who was making my life pretty miserable because he was insecure as well that I was going to be doing something or he just we both weren't secure enough in our relationship and I ended up transferring home which was really ironic because I was kind of always that person who was trying to get away from home um, I always was driving around in my car and going off to different places, which I always ended up getting caught and in trouble, but I never liked being home when I was at home. So transferring home was like, what the hell? <laughs> right when I transferred home, I had gone to a spiritual advisor that my mom had introduced me to, and we had decided that I was going to be a psychologist in this meeting. I felt really good about it and I because I had no idea what I wanted to do after leaving the school that I went to because I was in going to pre-med and everything in that first year I just wanted to completely erase I dyed my hair dark for the first time ever I was blonde and like I just needed to completely change my entire identity and because I identified so much with my body I had to change something on my body and I went to this counselor she said be a psychologist I went home and told my mom like hey I feel so great about this I'm gonna go be a psychologist and my mom was like what no you're not go do accounting that's the safe job and me being 19 thinking that everyone knows better than me I was like okay mom sure it's not my mom's fault I get it I get wanting to be secure and I get the financial fears that everyone has it was like right around 2008 2009 with the financial crisis at that point and everyone was looking for a safe job and everyone was looking for that safety net and no one wanted to like go out on a limb and figure things out and forge a new path at least no one that I knew so I listened to my mom I ended up going to a community college and I just had realized that the person that I was with was not for me, but I also was newly introduced to Adderall. That Adderall was like my miracle drug. It helped me become the person that everyone else wanted me to be. It helped me continue this path that I wasn't passionate about. I never wanted to do accounting for myself. That was never something that I saw myself doing. So the Adderall actually helped me get through all the classes really well because I was always a good student. So if if you just gave me that little push, I would have just sat there and absorbed all the information. I got like a hundred and something on every single test that I took. And it just ended up being something that controlled my life for the next few years. I got this newfound sense of confidence from the Adderall that I never had before. I started to be popular at school. I was outgoing. I was doing all the things that I thought cool people did. And it really helped me establish this persona of the cool person. And I never had that before. So it was something that I valued and it also went along with helping my body stay what I viewed as society's ideal body 
And that was something I always struggled with because I never, it never came easy to me. I was very underweight at that point and it just was not good for me on a health basis. But I thought I was doing great. I thought I found the answer in this drug. I thought all my problems were solved. I was happy or so I thought I was happy. I ended up meeting someone on New Year's Eve that was from the group of friends that I developed at my new school. And I was like, this is it. New Year's Eve, meet this guy, pretty cool. And I was, I thought that was a sign like, oh, things were going in the right direction. And we started dating and he was away at school and I was away at school, but I would basically live inside his his off-campus housing for the next year. And we had a good relationship comparatively to what my first relationship was. So I thought it was wonderful. You know, it really checked all the boxes. Like he was stable. He was studying to be an engineer and he was going to school at a prestigious school in the city. And he was home basically because he never left the area and it just seemed like a good fit. We ended up dating for a little over four years, but the end of our relationship was basically an entire spiritual awakening slash human tragedy within my life. We had gotten pretty bad because I was just newly introduced to spiritual practices and I decided with that that I could no longer take Adderall. And I was smoking cigarettes and I was just quit my job at this firm that I was working for that was terrible but I had no money and I was spending money that I didn't have. And it was just a really crazy time for me. And he had found out that I had gotten myself into this debt. And I totally understand why he wouldn't want to have carried that sort of weight with him. Um, He was young, just starting out. And like, why would you want to have all these problems starting out? I know I certainly didn't want them. And I was the one who was manifesting them. And quitting Adderall, it quit the parts of me that could hold it together. I couldn't get myself to be motivated. I couldn't get myself to do anything because I was in a position where I was going to school for something I hated and the Adderall made it possible for me to do the work that I needed to do and to be okay because it was busy work and I was go, go, go. And then without it, it became impossible. It became this devastating reality that I was stuck doing something I didn't want to do. I never wanted to do it. And I was mad at myself. I was mad at my mom. I was mad at all these people for guiding me into that as opposed to letting me decide what it is I should be doing with the rest of my life. And because I could no longer keep up this persona, I started going to spiritual groups and he was making fun of me that I was in a cult and it just ended up becoming this whole situation that was not okay for anyone. And we had gone away on a weekend snowboarding. I got stuck at the top of the mountain because I had fallen pretty badly when I got off the lift. And because I was a hypochondriac still at that point, I was like the girl who cried wolf. He was not on the mountain with me. I called him. He was on another slope. And I said, I'm stuck up here. And he said, no, you're not. Get back down. And I was really hurt. I couldn't move. I couldn't 
And I understand now why he didn't believe me. I wouldn't have believed me. I would have just been like, oh, she's just causing a scene. She'll get down when she gets down. But I ended up having to be rescued. And the two people who rescued me were the two people that I prayed for. I had prayed to my dad who passed away. His name was Jack. And I had prayed to Archangel Michael, who was someone I was deeply connecting with. And the two people who came to rescue me on the top of that mountain were named Jack and Michael. And that was just like a mind-blowing situation because it gave me this inner knowing that things were going to be okay, even though my relationship was kind of falling apart and I was not happy. I was not happy with the path that I was on. I wasn't happy with anything. The only thing that I was kind of happy with myself with is that I quit taking Adderall and that I was doing all these spiritual practices and well diving into a new way of being by reading a lot of spiritual material and it was just very different from anything that I'd experienced before and something that I had been really resistant to because my mom was into that kind of stuff so like my mom was a Reiki master before I feel like most people knew what Reiki was and my mom was doing all these modalities that a lot of people didn't know about And I just completely rejected them. I didn't want anything to do with them because I was like, ooh, mom, what are you doing? You're weird. And then now I realize that it actually planted the seed within me and it also was an opening gateway for me to be able to develop my own spiritual practices. But when our relationship had fallen apart, I just was devastated. Even though I knew that it wasn't really working, I just couldn't believe that I was being left again. That's really where I went to. I, I don't think I mourned the relationship as much as I mourned this idea that maybe I, I could be with someone and maybe that it would work out for the long haul. And then just our breakup was completely obliterating that. And that was heartbreaking because I was like, oh no, am I really incapable of being loved? And that was just like the sad reality that I'm always going to be left. And I just was not okay with that. But I was living with him at the time. We were living in an apartment above his grandparents' house. And I had to move out by myself. He went and stayed with his mom while I moved out. I was still kind of recovering from my ankle injury. So I just got off crutches not that long ago. And I remember carrying the boxes down the stairs and his grandma came outside and was like, I can't believe he left you to do all this by yourself. That's not the man I thought he was. And it kind of helped me realize that like, oh, this isn't really normal. Even though I know our relationship wasn't great, it really wasn't like terrible for so long I was never abusive but I did have manipulative patterns and I'm not saying that I wasn't the problem because I totally was but he was also having his own issues with intimacy he never really opened up he never spoke about his feelings he never did I he kind of just work work worked and let everything fall to the wayside and I became one of the things that fell to the wayside and maybe it was because I pushed him away subconsciously but I now realize that this was one of the turning points in my life and I'm so grateful for that experience because I wouldn't be here today if I didn't go through what I went through with him and after the breakup after moving out I decided that I wasn't going to contact him because I realized I don't want to be with someone who doesn't want to be with me I don't want to 
chase anyone and I'm pretty cool. You know, like that's where this little idea that I'm worthy and it happened shortly after the breakup. I think a lot of people go through like this huge grieving period, but it was more heartbreaking to me to just be broken up with. But then it also planted another seed of like, hey, I'm actually worthy of being with someone who is honest with me and who talks about problems. We never talked about a problem until the day that we broke up. And I don't understand how that's even possible, but it's true. You know, we never really discussed anything. If we did, it was because I brought it up and then eventually he would shut down and be like, no, I don't want to talk about this. And I'd be like, okay. And then I would push and then I would push and then he would fight back even more against it. But that breakup really kind of helped me see my strength. It helped me see that, oh, I actually can survive without someone else. And I also can survive something that really hurts. I can survive another situation of abandonment when for so long I felt like I wouldn't survive another one. I think that's really the biggest thing with abandonment is that I'm not going to survive if you leave me. And that fear that needing someone else is just something that paralyzes you. And after this breakup, I realized I don't need anyone else but myself, but I need myself. I need to be on my own side. I need to be my own best friend. And I wouldn't put them, put what I'm saying now into what my mind was saying back then. But that's basically the general idea is realizing that, hey, I have to look out for me and other people might not be here, but I'm always here. If as long as I'm alive, I'll be here. So why don't I explore that? Why don't I see like, who is this person? And that journey is the journey that I'm on today. And it's definitely grown so much since then. Um, I've had a lot of experiences since then. My dad passed away last year, the dad who has raised me and who was part of my life for most of it. He's been in my life since I was six. So I had that experience. And even though it was traumatic in its own way, it didn't break me it broke me open in a sense in that I was able to understand further the things that are actually important and the ones that aren't and it helped me understand that there's so much that we don't control and sometimes we just have to surrender to life's experience but I'm going to focus my attention on the things I can control I'm going to focus on feeling my feelings when they come up and then I'm going to focus on letting go of the toxic behaviors letting go of the things that I'm making myself suffer over and over and over again for and this journey has really been one of so much joy even though there's been a lot of points where I have memories from my past or memories that don't feel good or things that are still not healed within me that come up and I'm triggered. I'm able to observe it way more easily now that it doesn't hold this control over me. And even though sometimes I am overcome with emotion, like on my dad's anniversary this year, I 
took off of work because I knew it was going to be a day and I did nothing and I cried it, the day before was actually way worse that I was like sitting in fetal position on my bed and like my boyfriend was trying to help me but I literally just needed to cry for hours and I let myself do that without beating myself up for it and it was exactly what I needed at that time so self-love really is about doing what you need to do for yourself without worrying about how it's going to impact other people and how other people are going to feel about it and that kind of sounds I guess selfish but it's not because when you take these actions for yourself and when you do these things for yourself you are able to sustain your own energy and you can help other people while doing that without resentment you'll just help them because you want to help them and I was doing really hurtful things to a lot of people when I wasn't aware and when I was trying to be someone I wasn't and when I was trying to make other people happy with me, I actually was doing way worse things by other people. I was lying, I was cheating, I was doing, I was bullying people and that's because I had no self-love. It's not a coincidence that now that I do have this self-love that I cultivate each day, that I'm a kinder person. I'm trying to help people. I'm a better girlfriend, way better girlfriend. I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter. And I will never equate self-love to being selfish because it's allowed me to help way more people and to do it because I want to as opposed to feeling this obligation and that's the other thing feeling obligation to do something because someone else wants you to do it saying no when you want to say no and saying yes when you want to say yes and setting boundaries that I'm not going to do what I'm not comfortable with doing with what I don't feel like doing just because you really want me to do it and I'm not going to follow your expectations I'm going to create my own and I'm going to create my own way I'm going to create my own path and I'm really going to do what is good for me and what my intuition tells me to do and self-love is intertwined completely with saying no I was always a people pleaser because I was afraid of what other people would think if I said no to them I was afraid to say no to helping someone. I actually was kind of suckered into doing a lot of things for a nonprofit that I helped start. And I was doing a lot of different um, things for them. I was doing graphic design. Even though I was the treasurer supposed to handle the finances, I ended up doing every single part of it. And I never said no. And I would get a request from her and I would do it with resentment and I wouldn't even try that hard but she was satisfied with me even helping and then she would like ask me to do this or that and I would always say yes and then I remember one time she had texted me and I literally threw my phone because I was so upset I had such a bad day and she texted me to do something for her and it was like so much anger and resentment built up that I was so angry that she even had the audacity to reach out to me and ask me to do something when I had never ever 
explain to her that I was feeling uncomfortable with the work that she was giving me. I was never clear to her that this doesn't work for me. I never voiced any opinion. I just said, yes, 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 yes. And then I would do it and I would be mad and she had no clue. And that was such a learning lesson for me because it was really hard for me to say, I can't do this anymore. No. That was so difficult. It was one of the first times, I think, that I put my foot down and had to really step up and say, I have to choose me and I have to disappoint you by doing that. And that was just a really big experience because I did it. I felt terrible. I really was upset. I considered going back and be like, just kidding. (laughs) I'm still here. I'll still do everything. And it was one of the best things I ever did. She answered back. I totally understand. She was very receptive of everything that I was speaking about because I think somewhere deep down she knew I couldn't continue. And when I initially wanted to help and help start it, I didn't have a full-time job. I was still dating her nephew and it was a very different time in my life. So of course, over time, things change and I moved away and you know, I was in a new relationship and I was working full time doing all this work. So having to do work outside of my work when I was already overwhelmed with work, no way. And I just felt this sense of guilt that I had to keep going. I had to keep doing it because I didn't want her to be upset with me. I've always been afraid of people being upset with me because then I'm like, oh no, they're going to leave. I got to, I got to keep them around somehow. Even if I lie, I got to keep them around because they'll stay around longer. Maybe they'll figure out the lie. Maybe they won't. But if they don't, then they'll stay. And if they figure it out, then they'll leave. But people always leave. So whatever. I was always looking for those people to stay. And I think that's really why I developed these people-pleasing habits because I just couldn't deal with the idea of someone leaving me. This really has paralyzed me in so many ways. And then with the situation with the nonprofit, that was a really big step to saying yes to Erin and no to anything else that diverts me from myself. And boundaries are hard at first so i set this boundary saying i'm sorry but you can't contact me anymore i gave her a lot of recommendations i tried to do the right thing i sent her all the financials and it really felt bad but i felt free immediately you know like it felt bad i felt bad i felt sad for her but i felt free and when you feel that feeling of freedom that's a really big indicator that you're doing what's right because There's nothing that you are doing that should weigh you down so heavily that you feel constricted and you feel stuck. This was a very helpful moment because it helped me navigate and I felt really bad, but then I felt free and then time went on and she didn't contact me. She contacted me once about a question and I said, anything else? Here's all the information. This is where you can go. And she has not contacted me contacted me since it's been a few years now i can't believe that it worked or i couldn't believe that it worked and i was like oh there's something to this boundaries let's figure out more of them and 
I eventually started to implement them in other places. So I work for full time right now. Um, even with the quarantine situation, I'm able to work remotely from home, which has been pretty great for setting boundaries because I'm not constantly bombarded with other people's energy every day. And that was one of my main struggles with my job right now. But I remember one of my coworkers was constantly asking me to get her lunch. Because I, in the beginning, wanted her to like me. So I had told her I would get her lunch. And then she really didn't go out during lunch. She just sat at her desk all day. And I would end up getting lunch. And then getting lunch for her. And then my lunch would be over. And I had to go back upstairs. And I did this for over a year, over two years, because I really wanted them to like me. And then I had seen how boundaries had worked in other aspects of my life. And eventually I was like, no, I'm not going to get you lunch. You go get lunch yourself. And I said it very nicely because I'm pretty good with being able to say things in a kind way. And I also understand that when you're a human interacting in the world, it's best to be careful with the way that you say things. And it really isn't that hard for me. I'm pretty lucky in that it comes naturally, but I used to not. I used to not be a kind person. I used to say a lot of things that I didn't mean. So that's definitely a habit that I've developed over time. But I told her, no, I'm not going to get her lunch. Maybe she should go for a walk, but I spent all of my lunch getting her lunch and I wanted to go for a walk and I wanted to bring my own lunch and not have to go wait in a store because I was bringing my lunch at that time because I wanted to save some money and she took it pretty well because everything that I was saying was also valid and had I been reactive and said it in a mean way things probably would have worked out differently but And I'm realizing that boundaries are really important because they give you a sense of peace that you wouldn't have if you ended up taking the action that you didn't want to take because there's always some sort of resentment that gets built up. No matter what, no matter how small, if you do something that you don't want to do, there's going to be some negative thought about it. And I don't want to have that type of energy because when I have negative thoughts about every single thing that I'm doing, I have no energy to do it. I have no energy for the things that I actually want to do. And it just doesn't make sense for me to be throwing negative energy into every situation because I know what happens when I do that. I've lived my life like that for a very long time that every time you live your life in a negative way, you're going to get something negative. It's how it is. I wish that wasn't how it is, but actually, no, I don't. I think that's a pretty good universal rule. Law of attraction. It's pretty good. (laughs) Anyway, I decided that now I'm going to say yes to the things I want to say yes to and no to things that I don't want to do, which has been one of the biggest acts of self-love. It's one of the biggest things that you can do. And deciding that you're worthy of deciding what you want to spend your time on. In society today, it values the grind and values doing things to get things done and to 
make money, but a lot of people are stuck in jobs that they don't want, and they're stuck living a life that they don't want, and that's the last thing that I could ever imagine. That, to me, is more tragic than anything. I'd rather have, like, a bunch of sad events than being too afraid to take the leap and take a chance on myself. Self-love really is so multifaceted. I think that it translates into a million different aspects. Um, Setting boundaries is one of them by saying no. And by taking time out of your day and doing things that work for you, by doing things that help you live a healthy life. Um, When I was younger, I was taking all these shortcuts to be skinny and I wanted to take Adderall to be thin because it made me not eat and I would take all these shortcuts and take all these pills like diet pills and I would just do all these things because I wanted to be skinny but I never thought about being healthy and what is life without your health I mean we have a spiritual aspect of ourselves and our body is not completely us so of course you can have a spiritual practice and you can have a purpose even if your health isn't 100% but health is one of the most important things that we have and I was doing all these things not thinking about the long-term consequences not thinking about the fact that my resting heart rate was 99 beats per minute and now it's like 50 because I've decided to take care of myself because I love me And all these changes that I'm taking, it's not to change myself because I'm not good enough as I am. I'm not trying to change anything because I'm not good in this moment. I'm not trying to change anything because I need to change. The only reason why I'm trying to change is to better my experience and to do what's best for me because I love me. I want to be healthy because I want to live a long life and I deserve to be healthy and I want to accomplish a bunch of things because I deserve that. I deserve wonderful things and it's not because I am not happy with my life as it is right now and I'm not happy with myself as I am right now because I am happy. I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with my experience right now. Even though I work a nine-to-five job that at one point used to give me paralyzing anxiety, this fact that I would sit behind a desk all day and crunch numbers. That's what I'm doing right now. But when I was graduating college with a degree in accounting, I would wake up gasping for air because I was so upset that my life was over. I was so upset that I was stuck. And here I am, a few years later, and I am so happy with how my life is, even though I'm doing the exact job that used to literally make me wake up at night screaming at times. It was really bad. And I just know that's because even though nothing has changed on the outer in terms of my career, all my inner environment has completely transformed. We can be happy even when we're doing things that typically would not have made us happy. Because I realize that no matter what, if I change all the outside stuff, I still bring myself wherever I go. 
So you can change the relationship, you can change the job, you can change your financial situation, you can change your family situation, you can change your living situation, you can move across the country. But all the problems that you had are still going to be there if you don't work at the root, if you don't work on the inner. And that's what this whole journey is about, is working on the inside and then watching what unfolds on the outside. All you can control is your input into any situation. You can't control the output. And that's what I've learned with self-love is it all starts with me. That's the key to all of this. That I have to love myself, even the parts of myself that I once deemed unlovable, in order to have any type of enjoyable experience here or to have an experience of expansive growth to move forward. I need to be happy within. I need to be at peace within. And of course, I can feel every other emotion because we're human. We're going to feel all the other emotions, but there's an underlying peace now because of the self-love that I've cultivated. And it's just been a really cool journey. And of course, I'm going to go into this in other podcasts, I'm sure, because self-love just really embodies every single topic that I'm going to speak about. But it's just super interesting to me that at one point, I never even knew what self-love was. I never knew what that felt like. And I just think it's so important. And I just hope someone out there listening may have receive some information that helps them understand that they are 100% worthy of love. You are 100% worthy of love. You deserve good things in your life. And when it doesn't feel like that, go within. Because you're going to find some really great stuff. It's things that are probably hidden, things that the world told you weren't great, and you just completely reduce rejected the sense of yourself but if you dig deep within you there is so much beauty there that i'm certain of and before we go into our mindfulness moment and part ways i wanted to read the card that i pulled in a reading before recording this podcast which is unbelievable the card was called boundaries Where do you need to establish better boundaries? You are being called to create clearer boundaries in your life. This could be with your friends, family, or work. Saying yes when you really mean no leads to resentment, which is the biggest energy drain ever. At first, it might only be a little bit and not feel like a big deal. But before you know it, your energy field becomes porous and you are left feeling depleted, resentful, or taken advantage of. Saying no and having clear boundaries is actually a spiritual act. The most giving, loving, compassionate people are those with the clearest boundaries. For when they say yes, they are able to give unconditionally. When your boundaries are clear, others know where they stand and you are able to give freely. If you are not clear where your boundaries lie, this causes confusion, resentment, and energetic cords to be planted. If you are saying yes when you really mean no, you are likely needing something yourself. Ask yourself, what part of me needs something from them? It could be a need for approval, a fear of being seen a certain way, or a fear of loss. The best way to gauge your boundaries is to check in with your belly. Your belly is the second brain. 
It has an intelligence known as your gut feelings. Tune into the space when deciding what is okay for you. How does it feel? What is it trying to communicate with you? Work your light inquiry. Where in your life do you need to establish better boundaries? I know that this card was meant for me because I'm sure that I'll be creating boundaries for the rest of my life, but I thought it was the most perfect card at the most perfect moment before recording this podcast. And now I'm going to guide into this last moment. If you want to join me in it and take a deep breath in and sigh it out. One more deep breath in and sigh it out. How does that feel? How do you feel? Do you feel heavy? Do you feel light? Do you feel a little bit lighter than you did before the breaths? Were you holding on to something that maybe you didn't know that you were holding on to? Do you have any physical pains or sensations in your body now? Just notice them. Don't attach any judgment. Nothing is good or bad. Just is. Just see. What does your mind come up with? Can you separate from it? If you can observe it, that means that you are separating from it. Now, if you were holding on to anything, know that it's safe to let it go. Know that you're safe. If you want to join me in one more final breath, deep breath in and sigh it out. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and I'll see you on the next one.